Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. So the Lenten journey has taken us on a trail that started in Mark's gospel. And now we're, we find ourselves on the fourth Sunday of Lent in a different account. It's talking about the same, the same person, Jesus Christ. But if you read the gospel of John, you'll find that there's much more consideration given to who Jesus is, not just what Jesus did. In other words, this gospel, this account, is very concerned with reconciling the humanity and the divinity of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, this may seem like a small distinction to note this difference between John's gospel and other gospels, but I assure you it isn't. And John's gospel contains narrative like it does in Mark, but there's also this theological discourse. You'll hear a story about something that Jesus did, and then you'll hear a long explanation about why the story is significant to the divinity of Jesus. On one hand, this is great because it gives us clear theological statements about the divinity of Christ, but it also complicates things. Now we have to unpack statements like the word made flesh, and this can distract us from the earthly ministry of Jesus. And John's gospel is also home to something else. The most famous passage in the Bible, John 3:16. And lucky for me, it lands on the week that I'm preaching. And on our journey into the text this week, we're going to examine that passage in its context of John chapter 3. But before we go there, we have to talk about what's immediately preceding this week's text, which is John 3:14 through 21. In the events preceding our text, Jesus has a conversation with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus opts to find Jesus at night. He doesn't want to be seen by his peers or the public talking to this new controversial rabbi. He's clearly curious about the teachings of Jesus, and they have this long discourse about what it means to be born from above. And our text picks up where the conversation goes from being a dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus to more of a monologue of Jesus just explaining what he thinks. So join me as we read John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And Jesus is talking here. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that God gave God's only Son so whoever believes may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light, 
so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done by God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So when I was a freshman in high school, there was a football player at the University of Florida named Tim Tebow. If you're a sports fan, you've no doubt heard of Tim Tebow. You don't even really have to be a sports fan to necessarily know who this person is. And in the national championship game against the Oklahoma Sooners, Tim Tebow wrote John 316 on his eye black. And after that, after that game where he had a monster game and, and set all kinds of records in Florida won, John 316 was the most Googled thing on the internet for the next two weeks. Of course, John 316 was well already established as a, as a uh, cultural phenomenon well before Tim Tebow decided to write it on his face. And it remains one to this day. It's on to-go cups at In-N-Out Burger. It's on the bags that you, where you buy clothes at Forever 21. It's on various church signs across the country. And every sporting event like ever has somebody with the John 316 t-shirt or a guy standing outside a concert with a sign that says John 316. Out of context, this verse seems transactional, right? It says, for God so loved the world that God gave God's only begotten son so that whoever believes may not perish but have eternal life. So I give God my heart, God gives me eternal life, bought with the blood of Jesus, and we're good. But I want to submit to you that God's love and grace and acceptance is not a transaction. Right? John 3.17, immediately after that, says, God did not come into the earth in the form of Jesus to condemn the world, but through him that the world might be saved. See, John 3.17 kind of cuts through this transaction narrative we have. And the latter part of this morning's readings touch on that truth. 18 through 21, it basically says that Jesus came to earth and turned on all of the lights, revealed what was already there. Put another way, the incarnation, the coming of Jesus to earth, is a divine act of revealing the hidden things. He does this in, in other accounts too. He turns over loose tables to condemn the greed in religious communities. He teaches the law in a way that exposes the hypocrisy of those who teach it, and also in a way that reveals the true heart of God. And he dies in a way that shows people how twisted other people can become. And he opens this, this text this morning, he opens it in verse 14 by quoting a passage from Numbers that's significant. Numbers in the Old Testament, you may remember, deals with the Israelites in the wilderness. And there's this scene where people are being bit by serpents. The Israelites are in the desert and snakes are biting the Israelites. And so God tells Moses to display this bronze serpent on a pole. And anytime somebody gets bit by a snake, they are healed by looking at this bronze serpent. And now these snakes come in the first place because the Israelites are complaining about the food that is literally raining down from heaven. And so Jesus quotes this passage in John 3, I think, to display an idea. You must look at the thing 
that you think brings you death in order to find life. The Israelites look at the serpent thinking that it brings them death, but if they look at the bronze serpent, they are healed and it brings them life. So too must we Christians look at the Son of God on the cross to find life. And we read these passages, we read the passages like the one in Numbers and others throughout Scripture, and we wonder how the Israelites didn't recognize this miracle from heaven, or how the disciples don't understand, or how the people can't comprehend the metaphors of Jesus and the parables. But if we ask these questions with the benefit of hindsight, even as we ourselves walk into all sorts of disasters because of our own unwillingness to look at what is right in front of us. Melting ice caps, stock market crashes, 500,000 people dead from this virus, the mounting wave of evictions as a result of this virus. We're imprisoning and incarcerating more people and we have no less crime in this country. We step over and around and through things all the time. But this is where the good news finds us this morning, I think. The impossibility for humans to live rightly wasn't a surprise to God. I'll say that again. The impossibility for human beings to live rightly was not a surprise to God. In fact, I think that's the reason for the incarnation or the coming of Jesus in the first place. It's God's business to reveal what is hidden or to make known what is being ignored. And some 2,000 years later, we still need these things to be made known. So when you read John 3.16 out of context, it may imply a kind of choice that you have to make. Like I said before, you choose door one and you have eternal life. You choose door two and you face destruction. But these surrounding verses show us that God incarnate didn't come to earth for this reason, so that people could be given a choice. Instead, the person of Jesus came to reveal what was already there. And when that is revealed, and when we are found, there is not condemnation. See, John 3.17 is the verse I wish we spouted all over the place. I wish that was the one that Tim Tebow wrote on his face. You are not condemned. The incarnation is not a divine finger wag. It's a radical revealing and reconciliation. We can call it a divine unmasking. And I'm not talking about the physical masks that we're wearing right now in spaces to love our neighbor and to keep each other safe. I'm talking about the other kind of masks that we wear. The ones that we put on to meet societal expectations or social expectations or to gain a perceived approval. See, God comes and reveals and removes those masks. Six years ago, almost six years ago now, this is crazy to think about, I went to see Star Wars The Force Awakens in the movie theater. Um, I was 22 years old, and if you want a glimpse into how exciting my college years were, this was like the most exciting thing I ever did. Right, I got to see a Star Wars movie in the theater with the Millennium Falcon and Han Solo and the whole gang, Chewbacca, all of them. And I was beyond excited. I was ready for two and a half hours of fun. What I didn't expect that day was that there would be a holy word for me that has stuck with me ever since. 
Because there's a scene in that movie that captures what I'm talking about this morning perfectly. Han Solo is in it. His son, Ben, has been given over to evil. Ben Solo is wearing a mask. He has the red lightsaber. And he's trying to be like his hero, Darth Vader. He starts calling himself Kylo Ren. And in the dramatic climax of this film, Han Solo calls his son by his name. He says, Ben, take off the mask. Take off the mask. And ultimately, that unmasking gets Han Solo killed. See, unmasking and revealing the hidden things that people don't want to see is dangerous business. Ultimately, it's what gets Jesus killed. Dies by the hands of an empire that he is unmasking, showing what it's really there for. And even in the moment of Jesus's death, he doesn't meet that resistance with power and a fist. He prays for them. He begs for their forgiveness and says, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. See, God incarnate did not seek to unmask us, to punish us, or to condemn us, but to call us into belovedness. And now no doubt, no doubt, there are collective and personal traumas which aren't the fault of the victim that contribute to our masking and our hiding. But I think this shows us that things like therapy, talking with a trusted and a good friend, or making your struggles known like Meghan Markle did just a week ago, those are incarnational acts. Those are Christ-like acts. God has come into the world and enters into every space that we hide ourselves in, every crevice of the corner of the room, that we think is safe and calls us out, calls us close and tells us that we are loved and we are safe with God. So what am I telling you this morning? Well, I'm telling you something that you probably already know. I'm telling you that we hide. We hide ourselves from God. We hide ourselves from good. And sometimes we do so consciously and other times we do so unconsciously. We think that coming out into God's presence will hurt us or harm us or lead us to condemnation. The Israelites looked upon the serpent, the thing they thought would destroy them, and they found life. And likewise, the Lenten journey takes us on a death to look at the cross, the thing that we think brings death, and then it leads us to the empty tomb where we have new life. The empty tomb is the truth that the world is not condemned. It confirms that truth, that the world is not condemned. We are not condemned. We are found beloved and loved. Church, remember these words. You are not condemned. Amen.